we are also going to take a break from the book of Matthew. I want to pick up in the weeks to come talking about our time of remembrance of the Lord's table and sharing that in the week to come. And uh, so I'm taking a break from the book of Matthew today. So you can turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I want to tell you that uh, as we uh, look at our world today, I don't know how you see the world that we live in, um, but as a pastor uh, and as a husband, father, someone uh, who is just, I, I'm not involved in politics, I'm not involved really all that much in culture either, um, no one's ever accused me of being cultured, nobody, uh, but uh, I, I want to tell you, I just start out this morning, and I, I feel like our world is becoming, uh, is coarsening day by day. Like, it, it's just getting worse. And the, the idea of how uh, people interact with one another, um, both in the media, uh, in the schools, uh, in our communities, even just uh, when we're out and about in the grocery store, is this idea that we are continuing to become uh, a more coarse, uh, some would say even nasty, selfish people. And this morning, kids, I, I, realize, I, I realize you're in here this morning, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit, and maybe your parents could listen um, and Maybe they could get something out of uh, what I talked to you about. Uh, sometimes uh, we do things. Have you, ever, have you ever hit somebody? Have you ever hit somebody, kids? Raise your hand if you've ever hit somebody. You, your parents probably saw it and knew it. They have eyes in the back of their head, you know. Parents, have you ever hit anybody? Uh, okay, this isn't confession times. Uh, sometimes uh, it, this is how the conversation usually goes. This is how the conversation usually goes. Hey, uh, why'd you hit him? And you say, well, there, I had a good reason. I had a good reason. And what's the best reason for hitting somebody? They hit me first. They hit me first. They did it first. And, and you, you have this attitude, well, well, if they hit me first, game on after that. that, that, that that's usually the way we feel about that. Uh, or maybe maybe it's uh, you said something, and you you said something that was super mean, and you say, "Well, they did this, so I said this. It's their fault. If they wouldn't have said that, they wouldn't have hit me. If they wouldn't have treated me like that, I wouldn't have acted like that." That's usually how we play that out, kids. I want to tell you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about God's word. And, and I realize what happens uh, on the TV isn't your home. Uh, I, I realize that uh, if you go to school or you're out on the, the baseball team, or I realize that that's a mixed bag out there. I realize that uh, when you're uh, playing basketball at the Whiting Center or this summer you go to the pool, it's hard to imagine going to the pool when you see snow out there. But eventually it's going to get warm again. And, and when... Life is different out there. Life is different. But what we're talking about here this morning it is what does it look like to be a Christian? What, what is it? Uh, what does one's life look like? What, do, what does one's words look like? Um, and really, 
Uh, this is the question for you. I have, a, I have a bunch of questions. What happens when someone doesn't agree with you? What happens? How do you treat them when they don't agree with you? What, what happens when they treat you bad? What, what happens then? What happens when someone's rude to you? What, what happens in your response to them? What happens when your plan doesn't turn out like you planned? What do you do? How do you act when you didn't get your way? What happens when you fail? Uh, you know what's great about life is you have many opportunities to fail. I trust that uh, you failed this week in some way, shape, or form, probably multiple times. What happens then? How do you act? How do you respond? What happens when your car breaks? What happens when you fail that test? What happens when you get dumped by a friend? What happens? It seems like uh, we uh, today, in this day and age, we feel justified, justified. When something happens bad in life, we can respond badly. We can talk badly. We can treat people badly. We can go into this uh, Eeyore type thing that kind of smells up the whole room. You know what I mean? That, that, that kind of uh, I'm grumpy and I deserve to be grumpy because of what's happened. Uh, this morning, as we look at this, kids and adults, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at the difference between the old life without Christ and the new life with Christ and to see the difference because there is a huge difference of what life looks like without Christ and with Christ. I want to start uh, reading for you this morning in uh, chapter 4, verse 17. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, uh, we'll begin to read. Verse 17, uh, down to the end of the chapter. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the, their hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves uh, up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put on your old self, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is as good for the building up as is fits the occasion 
that it may uh, give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander put, uh, be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God, we ask your blessing on your word as we look at it now. Uh, may it change your people. May it draw others to, to yourself, knowing that they need this new life that's only found in you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we look to God's word. Uh, what happens? What happens? Uh, well, what happens? Th- this, is, this is what happens. It matters. Uh, what's true of you? What happens? Uh, there, there's first of all, he starts out talking about no life looks a certain way. When I say no life, I, I'm talking about the deadness of our own souls. The book of Ephesians in chapter two talks about uh, us apart from God. We are dead inside, dead inside. And so what he's describing is a dead way of life or no life at all. This is what happens when someone has uh, no life inside of them. They, you know, everyone has a, a physical life as they walk around. They're, they're living, they're going to work, they're being a, uh, they live in a home and they are a part of a community and, and, and they're going about a semblance of life. But what God is telling us in the book of Ephesians, that may not be true inside they may be dead inside and this deadness shows itself in a certain way if you look to god's word we're in chapter 4 again verse 17 uh he says this now now i say and testify uh in the lord that you must no longer walk as gentiles do gentiles do that idea of gentiles here in this passage are those who don't walk with the real god they don't have the changed life. They don't have life in Jesus Christ. Uh, kids, it's a really great thing in the New Testament. It talks about life as being a walk, a walk. If you can picture yourself on a bike path or a walking path or something, and you're walking along, this is your life. This is your life. And he's talking about how you're walking, how you're on that path. Um, there's a sense, too, where uh, sometimes you get off the path. Sometimes you get stuck in the ditch. Sometimes uh, you're aimlessly going and you, you, you don't, can't find the path. And it, it, what he's saying is, he's saying, let's talk about your life. And he, he terms it as a walk, a walk. And there's this beautiful thing, kids, of uh, your life is just one step right after the other. There's steps in your life. Um, how, how many of you kids like birthdays? Birthdays. It's really great, isn't it? What are the big birthdays, by the way? There's like 5, 10, 16, 18, 21. It doesn't matter after that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just <laughs> cut it off right there. You know, and uh, what's so great about birthdays, uh, uh, you know, it, w- especially when you're kids, it's not just you're always looking forward to your birthday because it's a special day. And you're crossing over from being 
this age to that age. It's not all that exciting when you're going, you know what, I'm going to be 49 this year. I'm so excited. No, I'm not so excited. It doesn't matter to me. Like 49, 50, 50 I guess 50 is a big one. Um, you get all those m- mean, nasty cards and stuff like that. You're getting old and you can prepare uh, urine something, you know, almost two years and you can get new cards. Um Kids, this is the deal. It's like one step in front of the other. I used to be three, but now I'm four. I used to be one who had training wheels, but now I don't have training wheels anymore. I, I used to not be able to read, but now I can read. And you used, like, there's all these steps of life. And he's saying, in your life, in what you're doing, those steps look different when you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been changed by the gospel. He says, you can't live, you can't live like the old way when you didn't know God, when you're living in the new way when you do know God, when you have a relationship with Him that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. Um, I, I want to tell you that uh, this. He says, walk, don't walk as the Gentiles. If you follow Christ, you are His. You're His. And now you must not live like you are not His. You're not his. When, when you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you say, well, I do whatever I want. I do whatever I want. And most of the time it's wrong. I do whatever I want. I, I can recklessly live. Now, now, if, if Jesus is your master, if he's your Lord, if he saved you, you have a new boss. But it's much sweeter than that. You have a new master. You have a, a new one that loves you so much that's over you. And he, he wants to guide you and give you what's best, what's best for you. It's different. It's different now. And he says, don't go back to the old ways. Don't kid yourself into believing that you can still live the old way. And, and I want to tell you, I want to warn you this morning. Some of us are kidding ourselves, thinking that we can live like the old way. You're kidding yourself. You're, you're, you're saying to yourself, you know, I, I'm justified. If, if everyone knew how difficult my life is, they would say that it's okay that I go to the bottle. They would say it's okay that I talk the way I, I talk. They would say it's okay that I'm acting this way because I'm so stressed out. I want to tell you, God's telling us from His Word this morning, we don't live like the Gentiles. We, the Gentiles live that way because they have no relationship with the Father through the Son. They have not their sins forgiven. He goes on to describe what their life is like and spiritually what they are. Uh, in verse 19, darkened in their understanding. Do you get that? Uh, when you're walking around in the dark, uh, you have no understanding of what's going on around you. You live a certain way, right? There's a sense of responding to fear and and bump, uh, bumping into things and tripping and falling. Why? Because you can't see. He goes on talking about this idea darkened. He says alienated from the life of God. You're separated from the life of God. You don't have the resources that are found in Him and Him alone. Alienated from the life of God. He t- goes on to talk about hardness of heart. There's this deadness inside and it's not just that it's dead it's hard it it cannot get it he also uses the word calloused Uh, this is the picture of what's inside of you 
because of being darkened, because of having this hard heart, guess what happens? Um, if you look down at verse 19, he says this, they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. If there's a deadness inside, what he's saying is it will come out in sinful things outside. In fact, it, it will have to get worse. It, there's a sense where it will come out. And if I could say it this way, um, you can expect when there's deadness inside, that those dead acts will come on the outside of perversion, of hateful words, of uh these perverse and crass words that come out, all kinds of evil, bad events, bad responses. If I, if I can say it this way, kids, uh, don't do this at home, okay? Do not do this at home. But if you took the toothpaste at home and you took the cap off and you grabbed it and you squeezed it as tight as you can, what's going to come out? Toothpaste, right? Toothpaste, thank you. Somebody's with me. You know? Some of you are going... Is this a trick question? It's toothpaste. Uh, we had an incident when uh, uh, one of my sons, the oldest one, is not here, so I could talk about him. He was, I think, a first grade or so, and he was down at Cummings Valley, and he was working his lunch, as uh, Bozler can certainly do. And um, he had one of those Go-Gurts, and uh, he was trying to get it open, and he was squeezing and biting, and all of a sudden, bad things happened just all over him. You know, and it was inside, it was inside this tube, but when the pressure built up, eventually it came out, right? Uh, boom, everywhere. I want to tell you, listen, listen. The reality of who you are comes out during the pressure times. The pressure times. Think about that right now. Uh, you may be able to uh, put on a good front. You may be able to play a good game, clean yourself up. Doctor yourself up, uh, fix your hair, nice clothes, clean, you're looking sharp. Together, I am a kind and good person. What happens when the pressure of life gets to you? What comes out? What comes out will be the condition of your heart. The condition of your heart. That's what will happen when, when it comes out. And, and what he's saying is, we don't live like the Gentiles live. The Gentiles, why do they act the way they live? Because what's inside comes outside. What's inside comes outside. Uh, he is calling us, um, and, and this idea, remember, this is the way we walk, the way we walk, the life that we are living, the, 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 the details. You know what? Life isn't about, like, these showcase moments. Um, you know, it's interesting if you talk to kids in sports, if you talk to old men who played sports one time, they'll say, you say, well, you played basketball. Yeah, and there was this one game, this one game. Our team was down, and it was at the end of the game, and I remember it. And Tommy passed me the ball, and I was way out. Nobody thought I could make it. And I looked up, and I shot nothing but net. I was the best. We remember these these one particular times, but uh, were you a good? No, no, I was a horrible basketball player. But there was that one game. <laughs> I want to tell you uh, what Paul's talking about is not just one instance, but like the pattern of your life, the walk, what it looks like, the life, and life is made up 
not of just these single events, but a lot of these single events. Some important, some you think are no big deal. Some interactions are weighty, and and most of them are not. But it's this that marks a life. And so Paul's talking about that to us, and he says, look, we we don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Because the person who has no life looks a certain way, and that's the way they look. Comes out during stress. So so we go uh, from that to the new life changed from the inside. Verse 20. The new life changed from the inside. He says, "But, but that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And he says this. Um, this is not the gospel you heard. This isn't the message of Jesus that you've heard, is that you're saved, but you still act like you have no God. He says, that's not what you heard. That's not what you heard. And, and then he gives a possibility. Have you heard? Have you heard? Did, did you hear the message of Jesus? I want to I be careful this morning to say this. Um. We have a lot of new people coming. We have a lot of people who have been here for a long time. I've known some of you a very long time. Uh, and, and sometimes it's a danger in a church like ours that uh, it's about looking good and living good. I want to tell you, this is not what this church is about. It's about knowing Jesus Christ, to have Him be the one that is changing us from the inside out. Accepting the gospel. Admitting that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And not just needing a Savior, but needing a Lord. We are a mess without Him. And that we have new life in Him. It's not that we were kind of bad and He kind of doctored us up a little bit. We were dead and He made us alive. This is what the gospel is. And I want to tell you, uh, first things first, if you haven't accepted the gospel, this is where we start this morning. For you to come to Jesus and say, I'm a mess, I need you. I need you. I need you to save me from my sins. I need you to bring me into your family. I need you to give me eternal life, which I can't get on my own. New life changed from the inside. Learn about Christ. He he speaks of Jesus as being the truth, the truth. And it's the truth in the midst of other lies, right? There's other... uh, ideas out there oh just be a good person or uh try really hard or try to be kind and uh, give a lot of money and uh, all all these different ideas think good thoughts these aren't the gospel the gospel is trust in jesus he's he's the only one he's the truth and so he assumes that he assumes that if you have trusted in christ what do we do next what what is it that we're in the process of as we go about this life, having trusted in Christ, he says this, verse 22, to put off your old self. Put off your old self. He, he wants us to consider where we came from, where we came from. And we've all come from different places. Some of you have come from outwardly, uh, you made horrible choices. Uh, you, you were 
involved in all kinds of different immoralities. You, you struggled with alcohol. You, you struggled with uh, the, the opposite sex. And you, you, the, you struggled with all kinds of different things. And, and you've done some bad things. Maybe uh, some kind of drugs are involved. Maybe some kind of stealing and time. You, you, there, there could be all kinds of different things that have gone on in your life. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. He says, put off the old self. Put off the old self. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Chuck it. Let go of it. Let go of it. You know, it's hard about um, things that you've done for a long time. They're, they're, they're comforting. They're comforting. They're like those old pair of shoes. I've worn these shoes forever. I, I don't know what my life is without these shoes. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. That old life, was horrible for you. It was a great ripoff. And so for us, we should be happy to get rid of it. Happy. Happy to let it go. So he calls on us to put off the old self. And, uh, and the way he says this is, is, I think it's very important. He says, verse 22, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful desires. Those desires, those desires, those sinful desires, those sinful things that we did, they were deceitful. They lied to you. They promised you more and gave you less. They, they were the great ripoff. It was great advertising. You bought the, the brochure. You said it looked great in the picture. But then you took it and it ripped you off and left you empty inside. And I want to tell you, that's your former life without Jesus. Some of you are admitting that right now. You're in your mind. You're saying, yeah, um, my life has been empty, and that's why. It's been the great ripoff. It's been the great lie to me. As Jesus uh, comes into one's life, it is no longer the, the ripoff, the deceit, but it's the truth, the truth. He says, put off the old corrupt, deceitful desires, and, and now he moves to putting, he doesn't leave us without clothing here, kids. Take off the old stuff, put on the new stuff. The new stuff's better. Here it comes. Um, verse 23, and, uh, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What a beautiful, beautiful picture after having been lost in darkness and filth of sin, we now go from that to this new life. What does it look like? It looks like God. It looks like God. It's in His likeness. It's not in the likeness of the sinful world. It's not in the likeness or the deadness of what's going on here. It's in the likeness of the God who made us in true righteousness and holiness. The idea of righteousness is this right life that's right in the eyes of God. And, and the, when you have a righteous life in the eyes of God, there's a sense of being not afraid of Him. Why? Because you know that you're pleasing to Him. You know that you're right with Him. The idea of holiness is the idea of not being sinful and stuck in the, the muck of this earth, but you are set apart for Him, for Him, having been pure, made pure. And this is what the new life is. 
Well, he goes on from that and he says, let me give you some examples of what this new life is going to look like. Let, let, me, let me show you a picture. And he, he kind of goes over some, let me, let me show you some areas that are going to happen. Verse uh, 23. Therefore, having put off falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He, he says, we're, we're going to be truth speakers to one another. We may have lied and, and shaded the truth to, for whatever situation. Now we're going to speak to one another truthfully. We're not going to be liars anymore. We're not going to be people making up stories, trying to cover our steps. He goes on from there and he says, uh, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He, he goes to another area and he says, uh, this anger, some of you have problems with anger. And, and he says, you're no longer going to be angry. In fact, your anger will even look different. Uh, you, in your anger, in, in when things uh, cause you to boil inside, uh, it's not sinful anger anymore. And, and deal with it. It's not something that sits there and, and brews day over day. Uh, you say, well, I, I need time to get over things. I want to tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's a lie to you. You don't need time to get over things. You need the Lord to get over things. He says, uh, you're no longer this one who harbors anger. Uh, interestingly enough about this, this anger, in verse 27, he says, and give no opportunity for the devil. Some of us do this all the time. We give uh, the devil uh, a place to work in our heart. We won't get over things. We won't. We, we have things that people say and do, and it bothers us. And, and instead of just going, oh, it's not a big deal. I can get over this in the Lord. You, you harbor it and you hold on to it. And you say, uh, I deserve, they hurt me bad. I deserve to act this way. I want to tell you that's not true. It's not true. The Lord gives us resources in himself that we can deal with the angry thoughts that come up. And we can even look at anger differently, that it's not all about us, but it's about God's righteousness. He also says to the one who steals. And he says, uh, verse uh, 28, he says, let the thief uh, no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Sometimes we uh, steal or we uh, kind of trim corners and, and do things that are dishonest. And we say, it's because I don't have any money. It's because I, I, I don't have and I have to steal. That's a lie. That's a lie. It might be a greater temptation when you have little, but you don't have to. And in the Lord, li listen, you can go from being a thief. You say, well, I've stolen my whole life. My, I, my family, they, this is the way they've done things. I, I'm stuck here. No, you're not. No, you're not. In fact, he gave you the way out. He says, trade in your stealing for working. Work with your hands. I, I, I love this picture. Work with your hands. Why? Uh, there's, a, there, there's something great about working with your hands. It's tough being a pastor. I just want to tell you that. You, you're never sure if you did anything. And uh, 
Uh, you know, digging a hole, it's awesome, right? Because you know this hole used to have dirt in it, but it doesn't anymore. I can see it. I can see it. There, there's something greater even about the day laborer because you work all day and then you get paid, right? And there's this sense of, I did that, I get this. And, and, but this idea is not just for selfish gain. Selfishness drove stealing, right? But selfishness will never get you to the right place. He says, I got a better way. This is part of the new life. You don't steal anymore. You work. You work with your hands. Why? So that you can be a blessing to someone else, that you can have something to share, that you can look around and you go, hey, someone's in need. I can give to them. I can give what the Lord has blessed me with and the opportunities of that. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? That uh, those who have been thieves are no longer to be thieves. They are to be ones who work and give, work and give. You you go on, and he says this, uh, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as this fits the occasion that it give grace to those who hear. I love that. Oh, man, that's beautiful. You say, uh, I, I, I let it fly. I, I can't, you know, I, I'm one of perverse speech. I'm one of dirty words. I, I'm one who uh, has a foul mouth. I'm one who gossips. I'm one who, who, who talks about one another and is cutting to one another. You say, this is how my life is. I can't stop myself. I want to say, that's a lie. Uh, that's a lie. Unless, of course, you haven't come to know Christ. But, but if you've come to know Christ, I want to tell you, you can trade that speech in, that that speech is not to come from your mouth. That's connected with the old life. The new life has a different speech. And it's simple. You look at the people you're with and you say, what can I say that would be good for you? How can I encourage you? I want to tell you, uh, it it should happen more often here. That when we're together, when we're together, that we should walk away going, I'm so glad I talked to that person. I feel so uplifted by being with them. it's It's almost like you'd say this, I love hearing them talk. I love hearing them talk because grace and beauty and kindness flow from their mouth. And I feel rich because I heard their voice. Doesn't that sound weird? It does. It shouldn't be so rare. It should not be so rare. For the life of the believer, the, the, what Jesus has done on the inside comes out, uh, and it comes out through their mouths. Um, they no longer are the loose-tongued ones but they are the ones who give grace through their voice. As you look at this, you realize this, that um, all, all of this action um, is in response to God. And, and verse 30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I want to tell you that uh, the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, uh, grieve. When we've been saved for a purpose and we go back to the old life. Grieve. And, and this idea that we live in light of God's opinion of us. Not, not in his opinion of salvation, but 
we say, what do you want me to do? What have you saved me for? How, how do you want me to live? This is the way I want to live. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm no longer living for the opinion of others. I'm living for you because you're the one who has saved and sealed me and bought and paid for it uh, for the day of redemption. He, he goes on to, I think, kind of summarize even uh, this passage, this new life pictured. He said in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, and slander be put away along with all malice. He's, he's kind of throwing out some big general words there, and he says, let that old life die. Let it be away from you. Let all those ugly thoughts and the way you treated people and the way you talked and the way you thought, get rid of them, get rid of them and replace them. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, uh, so kids, look at this. Look at this. Uh, the toothpaste, right? The gogurt, whatever it is. You squeeze it, what comes out? Under pressure, what comes out? I want to tell you, in the life of the believer, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, what comes out is not your own thoughts, it's not your own life. It's not that old life. It's not those, I deserve to be mean right now. I deserve to hit right now. I deserve to feel ugly about this for because of what's in. No, it, in the life of the believer, he says this. What comes out of me is the kindness of the Lord, the forgiveness of him, the forgiveness knowing that He has forgiven me. Three things, three things, and then we'll be done, kids. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Three things to remember. The first one is this. Uh, no excuses, no excuses. Put on the new life. It is what you've been saved to or for. No excuses. Don't in your mind. And what I'm saying is, I'm not saying you have to give excuses to one another, but you give excuses to yourself. I had to do it. They were mean. I had to do it. Life was too hard. I had to act that way. I want to tell you, no excuses. No excuses to yourself. That's not true. What's true is you've been given a new life. This is what the Lord has saved you for. Secondly, grace is the mark of the Christian because he has needed and received it. That last verse says, be kind, be kind. This tenderheartedness that's supposed to show and forgive and forgive. We should be great. We should be great at forgiveness. It's the mark of the Christian. Why? Why, why do I say that? Because we've been forgiven. It, it's, it's the way we got in the family. And, and you say, well, some things are too big to forgive. That's not true. That's not true. Because Jesus has forgiven you everything everything you're able you're equipped to forgive everything think about that that your forgiveness isn't based on you know you've done two bad things i've done two bad things offsetting penalties everybody goes home uh, th that's not the way this works well the way this works is that that god in christ has forgiven me everything and now he has made me equipped to forgive everything to anybody else who needs it we should be marked by 
this forgiveness. I, I want to tell you, this is what should squeeze out of us when, when pressure comes, forgiveness. And lastly, some of you are feeling like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. This sounds like a big test. It is. Turn over to chapter 3, the end of chapter 3. I want to read to you a passage. And I want to tell you what, you're gonna, what I'm going to read to you. Paul's saying this. He's saying, he's saying this. I pray something for you people. I pray something. Uh, I, I, I'm begging God for something for you. And what he's going to say, it's going to take a long time to get there, but he's going to say, I'm praying that you understand the love of God. I'm praying that he does a work inside of you that you would understand the love of God. And part of the love of God is forgiveness. That inside of you, you'd be changed. And you say, well, I can't be changed on the inside. I feel like I can't be changed. And then at the end of this passage, he's going to say, the impossible thing that you can't do, God can do the impossible thing in you. Let's read the passage. Here we go. Um, Chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, uh, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Please stand and join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for the blessing of this time to be before your word. I ask that you would work in our hearts now, both to draw us to yourself, those who don't know, and for those who are living uh, based upon the old life. Lord, help us to put that off and live the new life, the new life that you have saved us for, the new life that glorifies you, the new life that is a blessing to us as well as anyone around us. God, thank you for giving us what we could not uh, attain to ourselves. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I believe there's significant snacks over in the fellowship hall.